Happy Father's Day. Yes. I want, I want to just review and remind you what we just sang about. We have a good father, right? And that's, I like the line, that's who I am. I'm, I'm a child of a good father. And I want to be on fire for that. A soul on fire by the love that has been given to me. And that's unconditional. I didn't do anything to deserve it. But I am on fire with a love that God, a good father, has poured out on me. And he's here. Isn't that a great song? He's Emmanuel. He's here. He's not just a father somewhere off there somewhere. He's here. Wow. So that's joy. Father's Day is it, it's kind of a, a day where uh, I have found, when I think about what makes Father's Day special, it's, it's that rare occasion in a father's life when he might hear one of his kids say, Dad, what do you want to do? You know how rare that is in a father's life. Because... Most of the time, our job is to show up at the basketball game, the soccer match, the concert, or whatever other things are on the calendar, and we are told, Dad, this is what's going on. (laughs) And our life is defined by the calendar of the family or the community that we're part of. Even at work, it's like that a lot of times. But Father's Day. I got to hear from my daughter, Dad, what do you want for dinner? Yeah. And I'm going to go have that after I'm with you. She lives in Beaverton, not far from here. So what a special thing to have a day where dads get to hear, what do you want to do, Dad? I want to preach to you about that. I want to talk to you about that in relationship to our Father in Heaven. Isn't it true that when we gather for church, we tend to be the kind of kids that have filled the calendar and we tell God, we're going to do this and this and this and this and, and we really want you to show up for our activities. I've been in church a long time and I'm A little bit grieved to say that seems to be the pattern of what we do as children of God so many times. And how blessed our Father in Heaven must feel when a group of people stop and say, Father, what do you want to do? I think any church that decides to be that way will find a huge blessing awaits. I want to walk through something like that with you this morning. A pattern of uh, let's go for a walk with our Father down a beautiful road looking at the mountains. I like that. Wouldn't it be great if I could just say to my kids, will you go for a walk with me? That is a special thing for a father. I would like for you to join me in that kind of idea in a walk through Ephesians. Just to say to Our Father in Heaven, can I just ask you some questions? Like, what do you want to do? But a little more specifically, I want to go through several questions. And 
In that regard, just put this in context of fathers answering questions to their kids. That is a huge blessing to the father. So as we do that, uh, just offer you this part of, about Ephesians that it is filled with the, the, the kinds of things that make a pastor and a teacher just, just say a smorgasbord is waiting for me. This is wonderful because Ephesians is full of these bullet point, three things, these three things, and next, these three things. And so I found those, and I, and I just like, uh, would like to have you look at the mountain range, you know, and see those three mountains there. And then you see those other three mountains and that kind of idea in your mind that Ephesians is full of scenery, full of things just waiting for you to explore in groups of three. And so as we do that, uh, let's just look at some of the questions I want to go through with you. Like, who are we as a family? Dad. We're full of those questions in our Ancestry.com culture today. Like, who are we? And then, where are we? We're living here, but, you know, where is this? What does this mean to us? Where are we? And then the question, why are we here? Dad, why is this church here? Why are we living here? And then the one I want to spend more time on, and that is, how do we engage as family with what the Father is saying to us. So, first question we ask with our Father is, who are we? And Ephesians has three really nice points. First of all, we are the body of Christ. It says in Ephesians 1, 23, that God has ordained that Christ would be the head of the church and that we are His body. And as such, we are being built up into a maturing Christ, all of us together as members of a body of Christ. That's who we are. Secondly, we are also a building of believers. That's in Ephesians 2.21, where it says we are the building that God will fill by His Spirit. We are the temple together that God will dwell in by His Spirit. Thirdly, we are the bride of Christ. Together, this is a mystery, Paul says in Ephesians 5, a mystery. We all that are married would, would say, yeah, I know that one. This is a mystery that God is wanting to have us know about him by saying, look at this idea of marriage. Now, if marriage is a mystery, men and women trying to figure that out, God wants to add to that mystery another dimension and say, this is how I want to be with you. A sort of mystery, intimacy, but that's what I want the church to be in relationship to God. So, it says there that as a bride... Christ is going to wash us with water with his word. That's what happens like right now, I think, where we heard the reading of the word, we sung about some of the word, and as that happens to us, we are taking a shower, we are 
We're being cleansed in a way. And I hope that's what you experience when you read the Bible for yourself or when you hear a message, the Word of God, or you you listen to a song. There's something more going on than just entertainment here. We are being cleansed by the process of the Word of God flowing over us in our souls. I like the song that we sang about that, that we were broken people, but the Word of God comes and, and somehow that changes us. It's real. It happens. And the intention that Jesus has is that we will become a bride that's cleansed and perfect and presented in in that way a wedding day takes place. It's just that idea of who we are. So what is the Father saying to your question? As a child, you're walking along with him, saying, Father, who are we? He's saying, well, you're part of a family, my son, and you're the body You're a a building that I want to live in. I want to be with you. And you're a beautiful bride. That intimacy with you is my goal. I want to have that with you. So then we ask the question, all right, well, where are we? Where is this going to happen? This whole experience is going to be in a location or how is that going to work? And I would like for you to look with me at three things that are in Ephesians. They kind of relate to a psalm, Psalm 1, that talks about the blessed man. I think I preached the message here about the blessed man. That says, the blessed man is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, does not stand in the way of sinners, does not sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. Ephesians has a nice kind of parallel to that of sitting and walking and standing. So if you first of all want to see the first part is seated with Christ. Ephesians 2.6 says that where Christ has become the head of the church and we are the body, God himself has seated us together with him in heavenly realms. And as we sit in heavenly realms, God has intended that there he will show us his grace. That's that great verse that says we are saved through, by grace through faith. We are seated with Christ to experience the blessings of the heavenly realms, kindness shown to us through the love of God. That's where we sit. Wow, I say. I don't know if I can even grasp that, but the Father saying, now you are seated with Christ. Secondly, we are walking in Christ. Ephesians 4.1 says, walk in Christ. So this is your earthly, a little bit more tangible in this case. It tells some very practical things, how it is that we're to walk in this world in Christ. So where are we? Well, spiritually, we're seated with Christ. But right here, right now, you are physically walking that out in this world. Walking in the way of sinners is how Psalm said Do not walk in the way of sinners. Well, I want to make the point that sometimes you need to be in the way of sinners. I I work in construction. And as a Christian man, I am in the way. (laughs) Right? So I I can say the example, say I I come to work and over here is a couple guys joking around, laughing, and I'm 
And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What's so funny? And they'll say to me, because we've worked together long enough, they know who I am. I'm the older guy. Respect that guy. They'll say, well, Terry, it's, it's a joke, but I don't think you'd appreciate it. I like that. They know that I am in the way. In a, in a, in a sense of, I'm not going to agree with this. But they're laughing about it. And that's, I mean, I don't know. You work in construction, you know that that's how things go. And I am not in the way of sinners that I, you know, I'm not agreeing with it. I'm in the way in the other sense of, I stand for something else. I'm walking a different way. I'm walking in Christ. And I want to be known for that. And, and I thank God that the situation I'm in is such that I'm older I'm not intimidated by the, by the whole environment, and I can walk in and be a threat to the way of sinners, saying, oh, yeah, you're that way. You know, like, we can't talk around you the same way we would around each other. I like that, and I would hope that as Christians we can become a light in the dark place like that. And if you can take that phrase with you, go be in the way out there. Get in the way of sinners. So they can't just keep on going. Thirdly, we're to stand. Standing in Christ, Ephesians 6, 11, Stand. And after having done all to stand, stand. What a, what a place where we are. Standing in the way. Standing in the dark. Standing in the schemes of the devil. Standing in this world that is full of the principalities and powers, we wrestle and we stand. That's where we are. That's a little intimidating sometimes, a little overwhelming. I, I, I know sometimes you come to church and, and we load you up with responsibility. Now go out there. Be... And I'm like, oh, man, this is hard. <laughs> And you walk out more with overwhelmed weight than you do excitement, like I'm going to go change the world somehow. God knows this. And so you would ask then, why here? That's the next question. Right? Who are we? Well, we're the body, we're the building, we're the bride of Christ. Where are we? We're seated with Christ, we're walking in this world, and we are in the way of the devil and the darkness. We're standing there. Why? Why, Dad? And there's, there's three really important things. There are three still, always three God's intentions, and, and in the version in Ephesians, um, it uses this word. The intention of God was this. And I like those three things in Ephesians that are like that, where we get a, a little bit of a glimpse of what our Father's heart is about. So why would he ask us to take this huge responsibility on in the world? Fight against the devil, the darkness. Wrestle with principalities and powers. It sounds like it's too big for me. First one, Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. It says that his intention, from the beginning of all of his plan, his intention 
was that we would be holy, blameless, adopted children through Jesus Christ. Wow. Paul prays for you that when, when, you, when you get that wow thing that hits you, he prays in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, I pray for you that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus so that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened and you will know the hope of your calling, the riches of the inheritance in the saints and the great power that is at work in you. Well, he needs to pray for us like that because I, I, like you, have this underwhelmed response. Like, how can I do that? I am to be holy, blameless, and adopted as a child of God. That's the hope of my calling. And secondly, the intention of God, chapter 3, verse 10, is that in the church, these completely overwhelmed people that don't know how this could be accomplished, in the church, there is going to be a place where God will show his wisdom. That's what it says in verse 10. He has ordained that in the church, his wisdom will be manifested to the heavenly realms. We thought it was a while before. Now it's like bigger. I'm on a bigger stage than before. Uh, now I have this light shining on what we're doing here. And it's to demonstrate the wisdom of God to the heavenly realms. That's a good reason to meet together in church. Okay? Is to be the children of God in a place where the wisdom of God is going to be here. And so... You're going to hear some of the wisdom of God when you read the scriptures. You're going to hear some of the wisdom of God when you sing songs. You're going to hear the wisdom of God just because the Holy Spirit wants to give you something. Right now, here, today, you. And as everyday normal people, we kind of wonder sometimes, me? me? I'm, I'm just a regular person. Does God speak to regular people? Amen, he does. In fact, this might be his joy to speak to the most unlikely one. The least of the brothers of mine, Jesus would say. And let the heavenly realms just stand in awe and say, did you see that? Can you imagine the heavenly realms looking at us today? And, and some, some angel looking at you and, and wondering... Why would God talk to you? you know, why would God talk to Terry? Why would, why would he even spend time leaning down with his ear and, and, and wanting to be part of this? That is humbling. And it's, lift, it's, it's uplifting at the same time that God would love us that much that he would want us to know him. And he wanted... To, put us a, like a light in a room and say, hey, angels, look at these people. You know, he did that with the devil and Job. I don't know if I want to be that. But let the light shine and God would say, have you seen my servants in Hillsboro? Hey, heavenly realms, 
darkness of this world, principalities and powers. Look at those people. Let me shine a light there. I want to show you some wisdom. I hope that we can somehow please our Father by saying, yeah, I'm, I'm here for that. I sign up for that. I want that. Well, this is the power that is at work in us. Right? Paul prayed that you would have your eyes opened so that you would know the power that is at work in you. Power that is at work in you. Church ministry is that one. He's given the church gifts. Apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the saints for ministry. That's God's intention for this place. Anywhere his church gathers, he has an intention that they will be equipped to do ministry. What is that going to look like? Well, I want you to explore that. I want you to find that out. That's what the Father would be saying. Stay with me. Walk with me. I want to show you why we're here. Show you what ministry we want to do here. You know, that's the, that's the greatest joy I think I could sense from my fathers when I stop in ministry and say, God, what are you doing in Hillsborough? What are you doing in my life? What are you doing here? And the Father has such joy in his children who stop and ask that question. I don't know if that will do it very well, but it is a joy to the Father when his kids say, we're, we're kind of going to stop all the stuff we're doing and just ask, what are you doing here? That's not weakness. That is not, as some people have accused me of, being indecisive. You know, you don't have a direction, you don't have a vision that's not it. I love what my father does, and I want to do that. Jesus said that. I want to be like that. Amen. So I want to spend some time just talking to you about my own dad a little bit and how it has helped me in this process of these questions about what's church about, how about Father in Heaven, because my dad was answering these questions for me as I was growing up. Like, who are we? He was, he was a guy from Nebraska where the corn is like way up. I, I was clueless. We were in eastern Montana where the wheat grows about this high. And there's hardly any, any water. You know, there's nothing. And, and he was coming from that place. And I was like, but who are we, Dad? Who are we? And I would ask him those. And, and why are we here? I mean, where are we? We're this, in this place in Montana and where is this? Like, what is it, how, does it, how does it help us figure out what we're supposed to do? My dad was a drywall contractor. And I have learned that skill from him. And uh, I'm grateful for it. I wasn't at the time, but I am now. And uh, he had a kind of nature about him where he would... The greatest joy he had was telling us kids how to do drywall. My older brother uh, learned it and I learned it from them. And so chapter 5, I want to go through three things. Again, this is great for Bible study. Three things that are laid out in Ephesians 5 for how to grow in this process of knowing what our Father is doing. So I talked to you about, see, these identity of Christ, the position we have in Christ, the purpose 
we have in Christ. And now I want to talk to you about the process. How do we get engaged in this? So all, all that I've told you is, is great theory, and it's, it's good for step one, two, three, and all that. But how do we really get a hold of it? First one, chapter 5, verse 1, imitate God, it says. Be imitators of God. So the three things that I want to tell you in this chapter, I want, so you know where we're headed, I want you to be an imitator of God, and then I want you to be an investigator of God, and I want you to be intimate with God. These are the three things of how to engage. First, be an imitator of God. It says, as dear children, imitate Jesus. Love like he did. My dad was the kind that would like to take me at work and, draw, and pull me aside and say, son, I want you to know how to do this. So he would put his fingers together. I don't know exactly why, but he would say, this is the secret. And I don't know if you hang around drywallers or construction workers, but we all like to have our secret. Because this is how we do it, you know? See this texture? It's a secret I have of how to do this. And my dad loved to do that. He'd say, let me show you the secret of how to make this. Okay, Dad. Secret. Like nobody in the world knows this, right? Uh, But what I gathered from that... And what I still hold very dear is that my dad was sharing something important to him in the same sense that he had a difficult time saying the words, I love you, son. He didn't say that. But he could say, let me show you a secret. And what I get from that now, and as I got older, I understood he was saying to me, I love you. That's why I want you to know this. I am showing you the things that I value. I'm taking the things that I treasure, and I want you to have them. Can you see your Father in heaven like that? Jesus said that to his disciples. You call me your master, and that's true. But servants don't know what their master is about. I call you my friends because I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to give you these secrets, the keys of the kingdom, he said. My dad was saying I love you when he told me that. And I, and I think if we take the time imitating Christ... Imitating his love, trying to do what Jesus does. Imitation is said to be the highest form of praise. I think think that's one stage of how we grab hold of this relationship with our Father. Imitate Jesus. But it doesn't just stop there. If If that's all we did, we would find ourselves just going through the motions. Being like, you know, wearing the bracelet. I want to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? And, and that's nothing more than a bumper sticker or a little symbol on our, on our arm. The next level, as I find this, is investigate. And you'll find that in verse 10. It says, find out what pleases 
Again, just a little bit about my dad. Uh, find out what pleases him. That was a mystery. It really was. I mean, I, I knew how to go to work and how to do that. But what's, what's really underneath makes dad happy? He loved work. I got that. But that's not everything. Trying to figure out who this man was. Who is my father? What, what is it that gives him joy? I have, I have a really special story, a gift from God about that. As my dad was nearing the end of his life, he got a little more dementia, didn't quite know who we were, where he was, and that kind of thing. And he was in a, a nursing home at the end. And the last visit I had with him, I had uh, a conversation. And, and I was having trouble because every time I'd, I'd been there a few days visiting a family, and I asked my mom, you know, every time I go, it's like he's half asleep or he doesn't know who I am. How do I engage with him? And she said, well, if you get him a Wendy's Frosty, he'll perk up. He'll, he likes that. So get him that, and, and maybe then, you know, you'll, you'll get some more. So I do. I'm willing to invest in that. And so I go to Wendy's and bring a Frosty. And sure enough, I hold out. Here you go, Dad. And he's like, oh, okay. And his eyes brighten up. He's awake. And he starts to eat the ice cream. And I'm there with my son, and I'm hoping to have some meaningful interaction with Dad. I don't know if I'll get to see him or, you know, how long he's going to be in this world. And so he's eating his ice cream. He's still not talking with us. You know, any question I ask, it's like it just doesn't connect. And yet I see his lips moving. He'd take a bite of ice cream, and then his, his lips are moving. I think, well, he's, something's going on in his head. So I reach over, and I, I take his hand, and... and he looks up at me, and I take his hand, and I say, Dad, you, it seems like you're saying something. I want, I want to know what you're saying. And he stops eating ice cream and looks up at me. He's got these bright blue eyes and just looks straight at me. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I was like, Dad, that's a good word. He says, yeah, that's a good word. And it has a song that goes with it, too. And he starts to sing. God so loved the world. It's a good song. Said, yeah, Dad, that's a good song. And I thought this was the beginning of a great conversation. But he just went back to the ice cream and started to eat like I answered your question, done. But that was a gift for me. It really was. And, and my mother would tell the staff at the rest home, uh, don't worry about Cliff, that's my dad's name, don't worry about Cliff, he's, he's more there than he is here. Meaning his mind and heart are connected with heaven and, and, and his spiritual life way more than here. He doesn't remember much about earth at all. My dad had, had a way of sense of humor. He had a joke about that. Well, he, he would give testimony. He liked to get up and talk. and He, he, was a, he liked to have jokes. And he would, he would say to people when he'd get up first thing, break the ice, he would say, how many of you here because you're not all there? <laughs> and that's the reaction that he would want, you know, because not all there. My dad, at that moment, I, I actually thought of that. It's like, Dad, I get that. You're not all here, but you are there, 
And in so many ways, that, that connection was real for him. And that's what I found pleased him in, to the very end. Deep in his heart was this love of the Word of God. The light was shining in his heart from that. And so the next stage in us in our relationship with our Father is what I see in verse 17 as we move on from there. It says in verse 17 that we should be wise. Don't be unwise, but be wise and understand what the Lord's will is. Do you see these, these, this kind of growth in knowing the Father? So you can imitate your Father. That's one way to live. You can search and find out about your Father. Like the Word of God tells us a lot. We can, that's why we have Bible studies. We dig in so we can understand what God's about. We want to we do that. But this level of understanding His will is associated with what the Scripture then goes on to say about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is understanding the will of God. Those two are connected. I want to read to you uh, how Paul explains that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. And, and just to relate to understanding God's will being filled with the Spirit, verse 6 says, We speak wisdom among them that are mature. It is not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world, that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world for our glory which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of a man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the things of God no man knows, but the Spirit of God knows. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. Being filled with the Spirit has this nature to it. 
So let's just look at some application of this. If we look at these points again, just in review, we are to be imitators of Jesus, living in love like he did. It's not our love, it's his love. Imitating him. It has three things there that define what it's like when you live that way. Practical things, three things. Again, Ephesians, good for you. Here's Bible study material. Three things that point to imitating Christ. They're in negative terms, first of all. There's don't be immoral, don't be impure, and don't be greedy. Well, it's the opposite of that. It means you should be moral and pure and the opposite of greedy, generous, right? So that's a kind of a, a three-step three study. If you want to be imitators of Christ, there's three things you can look at. If that's not enough, there's another one in the next section that says, and so the fruit of all this is goodness and righteousness. Did I miss the third one? I did. It doesn't come to mind. There's three of them. Truth. That's what it is. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. These are just practical things that Paul lays out there as the things that come along with imitating Christ. Then as you look at the next one, investigating how to know him, how to please him. Investigating is in the context of light and darkness. So this is theoretical right? it's not just this practical action but get deeper and find out where the light is that brings us into the scriptures in, in psalms where the question is how could a young man keep his way and the answer is given right in the same verse in psalm 119 11 i think it is 9 through 11 it says how does a young man keep his way pure but by keeping it according to your word, your word I have hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. And later in Psalms 105, I think it's 110 maybe, it says, your word is a light to my path, a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. And this, this investigating what pleases the Lord has everything to do with digging into the word of God, finding out what he's saying, and listening to that. And then this third part of intimacy and being spirit-filled. I, I call that intimacy with God, that marriage part, you know, being a bride of Christ and having that relationship that is like, okay, I don't have to read the book anymore. I know the author. You ever, you ever gone to a conference about a book bestseller, right? You read the book. Why do you have to go to the conference? I, I've had that experience, right? And you go to the conference and you get so much out of it because you meet the author. And that's what I think spirit-filled is about. Is that, okay, we, we saw Jesus' example, we followed it, we read about it in the book and now we know more, but we meet the author when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us. As that happens to us, we fill our tank and then we shouldn't separate that from everyday life, which I think sometimes happens in church. 
especially where we're, we're after the Holy Spirit. You know, we want the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we become guilty of that thing that some accuse us of as being so spiritually, what is it, so spiritually uh, hungry that we're no earthly good, that we're so filled with spirit, we're no earthly good. I don't think that's true at all. I think as you follow Ephesians, it says here, when you are filled with the Spirit, the next parts of Ephesians say, go to your application points. And they are, first of all, your marriage. That's what it says there. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as in the Lord. This is the mystery of marriage, is God's relationship with us. That's where this should happen. And it has three characteristics, three Three, another Bible study for you. Three things that happen in a spirit-filled situation. It says there in Ephesians 5, when you're filled with the Spirit, you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You sing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. That's where your music comes from. And you give thanks for everything. So think of your marriage, spirit-filled marriage, you're talking about psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Your conversation with each other and you speak to each other about spiritual things. That's a spirit-filled marriage. Your music is songs that come from your love for the Lord, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. That's the music that you have. And you're always thankful people. Wow, that changes a marriage. Woo! Being thankful in everything because unto the Lord is how we're living. That's a spirit-filled context. Next context that Paul talks about is family. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. This is a promise of God. If you live in this context, there will be a blessing for you. What about that with your family? Is it a spirit-filled family? Do you find yourself speaking to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? I was annoyed by that by my mother, i got to tell you. She was so full of that. Everything that we did was about, oh, by the way, son, you know what it says in Scripture, la, 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 la. And that was a beautiful thing. I didn't think so at the time, but it's a beautiful thing that mom was that way. Families filled with the Spirit have that characteristic, that that's the music of the house is the music of the Lord. And there is a thankfulness in everything. Hard things, good things. Gratefulness is a mark of being filled with the Spirit of God. And then it goes on to say, And slaves and masters, live in your workplace as unto the Lord. Wouldn't that be fantastic? If my workplace was a place where we had speaking to each other about psalms, what did you get from the Word yesterday? What did you read this morning in your quiet time? What's the Lord saying to you? Wouldn't that be a great workplace? And the music of the workplace is songs from the heart to the Lord. And a gratefulness, isn't it? Good, you could come to work today. Thank the Lord. It doesn't just happen, but we, filled with the Spirit people, have the opportunity to make it happen. That's what I believe. There is a, a more difficult context, which is in the next part, Ephesians chapter 6, that says, So, stand 
all this that's happened to you now, stand. And having done all to stand, stand. What is the all that we've done up to this point? Just let me review with you. What all have we done up to this point? We've asked the question, who are we? We know that one. We've asked the question, where are we? We know that. We ask the question, why are we here? We know that. And now we know how. So having done all to stand, stand. You know why he has to be so forceful about that? Because of what comes next. For we wrestle. Don't run away from that, church. Don't run when the devil shows up. Don't run from him when trouble comes. Don't be afraid of the fight. And the fight is real and the fight is every day. But that's the context for the Spirit-filled life. Because you know what? You have something to say. Mm. You have something to say to the darkness. You have something to say to the devil and his schemes. You do have something to say to this dark world. And that's what this is about, is that the power that is at work in us is greater than the power that's in the world. God calls us to be this group of people. I want you and me to take the opportunity to close this service this way. Um, I say close the service, but maybe it's open the door to what you're going to be when you walk out of here. What we're going to do when we walk out of here. We walk out the door with this kind of identity. Back to the beginning of our service. A good, good father has ordained that you and I would be members of the body of Christ in a building that is meant for his dwelling and where we fulfill his intentions by being filled with his spirit. So what are we going to do? Three things that we can do right here, right now. Speak to one another. Speak to one another. You don't even have to be talented. You don't have to know how to sing. You just have to be able to talk. Speak to one another about the psalms you read, about the hymns that you love, about the spiritual things that God is showing you. Speak to one another. And then make melody in your hearts to the Lord. We'll sing together. And be grateful. So, I've done lots of talking and speaking. Now, I'm going to say it's your turn. And then Dave's going to take us to song when, when he chooses to do that. And then, are you going to close us, I think? Yep. And she's going to help us give thanks. Just a practical thing that we have here about how spirit-filled living can happen and it happens when we are together. Heavenly Father, I pray for us here, your dear children, imitators of Jesus, that we would be so interested in what pleases you today, right now, and allow you to fill us as we speak to one another, 
as we sing and give thanks. Show your wisdom right now among us, dear God. Show your wisdom right here and let us know you more. Bless this time as we close. So, speak to each other. 